welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. So we're talking about uh, relationships and uh, you may have seen on social media a, uh, a clip of Will Ferrell giving the commencement address earlier this year at his alma mater, as they say, the university uh, that he had attended, University of Southern California. And he's, of course, one, you know, one of the funniest uh, comedians and actors of our time and that's led to him earning a great deal of fame and wealth, and yet he said this. He said, now, one may look at me at having great success, which I have in the strictest sense of the word. And don't get me wrong, I love what I do, and I feel so fortunate to get to entertain people. But to me, my definition of success is my 16 and a half year marriage to my beautiful and talented wife, Vivica. Success is my three amazing sons, Magnus, 13, Matthias, Matthias, 10, and Axel, age 7. Right there, stand up, guys, take a bow. There you go. So he got his kids to stand up. Hmm. I got in trouble for doing that last week. All my kids are in the same church service for a change. And uh, if Will Ferrell can do it, then so can I. Uh, and then he went on to talk about his involvement uh, with a charity that gives college scholarships to cancer survivors. And, and he referred to that as giving further evidence of what really is success in his mind. He said this, No matter how cliched it may sound, you will never truly be successful until you learn to give beyond yourself. Empathy and kindness are the true signs of emotional intelligence. And I thought, good on him, because, you know, he's a real funny guy, but he's obviously figured out something about... Uh, as he says, emotional intelligence and relationships because uh, they are keys to building good relationships which really are the essence of life, which is what we've been talking about. Much more important than fame or riches or any other measure that people might use to define success. And this guy, Will Ferrell, he realises that and he's aware that one of the keys to building great relationships is learning to give beyond yourself. And last week we talked about that. We talked about being part of God's family and how we need to really learn to give and forgive uh, to get along. And this is even more important when we're talking about relating to people beyond our family or our normal circle of friends and family, which is what we're talking about today and which is what God calls us to do. Because if you follow Jesus, you're going to find him leading you to connect with people out there, people beyond your normal circle of influence, with people that are needing the love and grace that God has got to offer and using us as the connection to bring that to them. And he wants us to have this sense of living for a purpose, living to make a difference in the lives of others, not just, as I said, you know, for ourselves, but to love because God's love is there. For us, and he wants us to share that with, you know, for you, for me, for them, everybody. 
<laughs> you know, um, sorry, it just sounded like a part of a movie. You know, the Blues Brothers when they say, I can't even remember the song now, but you, you know, if you're not careful, I'd remember it and launch into it. But uh, you, me, them. Um, Look, I know that movie well because it was one of the three films we survived on for two years as missionaries, uh, literally. And uh, my poor children were indoctrinated with Ben-Hur, Blues Brothers and Chariots of Fire. Uh, so we had to go on. Oh, that and we had, we had on the television in the early 90s, post-Soviet Russia, we had uh, Spanish soap operas dubbed over into Russian with one male voice. I, I, I kid you not. I, one male voice. Sveta, I love you. Do not leave me. No, Igor, I must go. You do not love me. I am leaving you. I am going to live with another man. Please do not. My depth of love for you is so profound. No, I must go. This monotone, it was hilarious for five minutes. Then it was incredibly boring. And then back to watching the Blues Brothers and remembering it. Anyway, back to the Bible. Where are we? Um, uh, so let's read something uh, from, from the Bible. Um, let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, because God calls us, as I said, to, um, you know, to love people and, uh, and to connect with people the right way. Uh, and, um, and Jesus modeled that for us when he was here on earth and so let's see an example of that in Luke 19 reading uh, verses 1 to 10 there it is Jesus entered Jericho made his way through the town and there was a man there named Zacchaeus he was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich he tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes... I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Luke 19.10, worth remembering that verse. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. What a great story. You know, you can look at this... Two different ways, from two different perspectives. You can see it from Zacchaeus's angle where it shows God's love for people, all kinds of people, including this guy who's a tax collector. And it's good for us to see that because there's something about Zacchaeus in all of us. It's called sin. He's, you know, regarded or disregarded as a notorious sinner. Well, you may not be notorious, but we all have this problem running through our veins and it's sin that offends God's glory and holiness and so that is a big deal but God, Jesus comes with an even bigger deal called love and grace 
And he's come to seek and save those who are lost. And without him, we are lost. And he is the only way, truth and life and the way, the only way to get back to the Father. Only way to heaven, only way to be forgiven. And he's come with this perfect love to make up for our imperfections. And that's pretty awesome. So when you read this and you read many other encounters that Jesus had with people, you can be encouraged that no matter what you've done, God is looking for you. God is willing to not just look at you but come close to you and forgive you and save you and even invite himself into your home and hang out with you. How good is that? And so there's an encouragement for us. Second perspective is, of course, then to see it from Jesus' point of view and how he interacts with people and then to learn from him, which is what I want to really want to focus on. And let's face it, that's really the essence of the calling of Christianity. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, here is discipleship. This is the essence of what we're on about. As believers, our calling as, as members of this church is simply to become more like Jesus, to look and see how he lived, where he's leading, how he relates to people, and to prayerfully say, God, I, I want to do the same. Not just the programs, we run great services and, and we can run around and be busy for God, but the the highest calling, the best possible thing we can do is to come to him heart to heart and say, Lord, I, I want to become more like you. It's called sanctification or being transformed on the inside. And, uh, and, and he'll do it and he'll help us. And so we look to him, we learn from him and we look here and see how, how is he relating to this guy and, and can I do that in my life? Well, let's look at a few specifics. Notice firstly, Jesus has got love in his heart, just there, just brimming, just ready. He didn't have to turn it on. He doesn't have to sigh heavily. He doesn't have to be selective thinking, I've only got enough love for a few people and sorry, you don't count today. He's just, he is love. God is love. He can't help but love. And as I said, as we lean into him and learn from him and grow in him, we can pick up and hopefully grow more of that in, a, in us as well. Because he displays here his willingness to engage with anyone in this loving way. Uh, this guy who other people reject, Jesus is happy to connect with. And let's face it, true love doesn't, doesn't circle the wagons around yourself and around those that agree with you and those that are suitable to you, who don't upset you, who just... Very easy to just get a smaller and smaller circle in life and say, well, they're rejected. Whoop, they upset me. Whoop, whoop, and we're getting closer and closer. But there's a few that still tick the boxes. They're the ones I love. Jesus said anybody can do that. You know, when you read in the, the passage of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus said anybody can love those who love them. He said, but I'm calling you to love those who don't love you. That's going to make a difference. Love the unlovable, love the unlovely, love the ones that upset you, even persecute you, he says. Even the, he said, I want you to bless those who persecute you. That's a higher calling than most of us follow. And, uh, and so he says, come on, just, just love everybody, them. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's the Blues Brothers again. It's just you, me, them. Who's them? There's always, you know, oh, they say this or they, oh, they. Some, somewhere out there, there's them. Them and they that aren't you and aren't your close people and it's easy to distrust and dislike them. But Jesus says, Jesus says love them. And Zacchaeus was one of them. And he, Jesus just loved, lived with this love, perfect love. And he has that love for us. For us and to go through us. Because, you know, in Romans, I think it's chapter 5, verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. That's very nice. I need God's love. I lean on that. That's great. But he said, freely you've received, freely give. And so we can and should. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Well, that's cool. And then he turns around and says, oh, yeah, but you're also the light of the world. So it's not just receiving. It's also sharing and giving. And that's our calling. So... We look to Jesus and it's nice just to receive, but we realise, wow, Jesus is loving. Jesus is calling us to love. To We talked last week just loving each other, just if the church could get along. There's a witness, but then more so bringing it out into the community. Secondly, notice that Jesus, as he's walking around with his love, he sees Zacchaeus. It says he looked up. He noticed someone who was looking for him He's aware of someone who's potentially going to be receptive to the message that Jesus had. Because Jesus is loving everyone. But let's face it, he calls a spade a spade when it comes to people that are, are, are you know, rejecting him. Like Jesus loved the Pharisees, but they were so self-righteous, so hypocritical that Jesus had to call it out and say, well, you're whitewashed tombs, really. You guys are just putting on a show. It's just not good enough. And you could say, well, that's not loving. Well, no, we're called to speak the truth in love. Jesus is perfect love. But he rebuked them pretty strongly as well. And so it's harder for us to get that right. Say, so, oh, no, that was a loving rebuke. That guy on the freeway that I just happened to have my finger pointed skyward for a moment. And I, may, you know, that's, that's not love. You know, we find out harder to trust our own behaviour as Jesus did, but he's perfectly loving and he's walking with this love and he, he sees Zacchaeus and, I mean, let's face it, Jesus has got places to go. He's on mission. He's got a task. And I, I love this because, I don't know, if you're like me, you, you tend to get a little, I'm going this way. I don't know why my wife agreed with that so quickly, but, you know, some of us are task-oriented, right? Focused. Oh, and it's hard, you know. I've got to, Look, I'm a professional Christian. I've got, I'm supposed to, I'm, you know, I've got a job where I'm supposed to, you know, what do they say? Smell the flowers and walk through the crowd slowly and, you know. And so, I mean, it's not always easy to do because I've, I've got to go somewhere. I've got things to do. But God sort of knocks that continually, saying, just slow down, just notice. Those things that you just zip past, they're people. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, you know. And so, um, I, you know, I, it's gone all quiet, but I'm sure there's some of you that can relate. Don't look at me like that and go, oh, well, you're in the wrong job. You're supposed to be a pastor. You're supposed to be loving. I'm trying, all right? <sighs> Doing my best, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, Jesus... Hey, Jesus is focused. He had, uh, he had things to do. But he's prepared to be interrupted. 
He kept his eyes open for people who might, you know, be open to connect with him. And, and that's why I say, I know I'm, this is a message for me because I've got to keep my eyes open. We've got to be open and using our peripheral vision, not just, I'm doing this, I'm focused. If you're in my way, that's great. If you're part of my team, we're doing this together. But hang on, there's, there's people just, just out there, just the guy up in the tree. What, what's he doing? And Jesus could easily have just sort of gone, well, whatever, who's that? I don't know. But, you know, for us as Christians, we've got to ask ourselves, who am I relating to who doesn't do life just like me? Who doesn't know the Lord? Who isn't also a Christian? Because if you've been following Jesus for a while, as I said, that circle can get smaller and smaller. You can see the numbers dropping over the years of people who you're well connected with who aren't just doing life like you and in church and following the Lord. And so we've got to make an effort to connect with people. You know, I love that show um, Undercover Boss where they get someone who's really in a comfortable position. Often they have a little shot of their you know, family and their home and it's luxurious and the guy or girl is, you know, in charge of a big company and then they get them to, you know, go in disguise for a week and then they hang out with the employees of the company and the employees don't know who it is and they do some more menial job than normally, you know, commanding the whole thing. Um, and I, I, I think it's cool because it shows their... Um, their willingness to discover how other people are doing life by really doing life alongside them. They're empathising with them, not just hearing about it, someone saying, oh, look, we need to improve the conditions for the employees. Oh, really? Why? Just look at the stats or hear one story. No, they go and really live life alongside these people. And then invariably, there's real change, change for the company. They say, wow, I had no idea. We need to do this better. And it might be some function for the company's benefit, but often it's for the benefit of the employees. Because he's had to go for a whole week doing what they're doing. And he hears their stories and or she, you know, hears their stories. And that is, um, it's good for the boss. And it's good for the company. It's good for the employees. And it's all about them going alongside someone, doing life alongside them. And, of course, you know, you don't have to go in disguise and infiltrate some other sector of society. But just that attitude of being able to... What do they say? Walk in another person's moccasins, you know, just to just to empathise, to think this is how they're doing life, and uh, and that is really how God wants us to live, to to relate to how other people feel, what they're going through. Um, you know, there's an interesting passage that relates to this. I read not so long ago in Ezekiel. Uh, you know, Ezekiel was an Old Testament priest. And then he became a prophet when he got taken to Babylon, along with all the Judean Jewish people. And he wrote this in Ezekiel 3. He said, I came to the colony of Judean exiles in Tel Abib, beside the Kabar River. I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days. After seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Did you see that? He came and hung out with these people for a week and after he had been doing life with them, hanging around, hearing their plight, their mourning about the way things were back in home, you know, in Israel and, uh, and then he's hearing from them, doing life with them and then it says after those seven days, the word of the Lord came to him. So he hears from God because he's 
hearing from the people. He's aware of what they're going through and then God gives them a word for them. And so he walked with them and therefore got to understand what they're going through and then God could speak into that situation. And I think there's a real word for, for us there that we don't just live our Christianity disconnected from people but that we are aware that we're listening, that we're hearing people's stories and hanging out with people and then you know what God's got to say and how he's going to say it to them. You know, So we don't just get on a soapbox or you know, send a tract or point someone to a website, although those sort of things could help and get the message through. But the really best kind of witness is a relational witness. The best kind of soul winning and evangelism is personal yeah? and, uh, and, and connecting with people. And of course, Jesus did this because he came from heaven to earth and he really empathised and hung out and did life as a man born as a man, grew up, lived and faced all the temptations and struggles and trials that we face. In fact, Hebrews says he's gone through the same suffering and testing that we've gone through, so he's able to help us when we are being tested. And so, uh, and you know, that's why God lets you go through some tough times because then we can learn and we can help others get through what we've been through so we can relate. Uh, you know, someone has said, in order to heal the pain, you've got to be able to feel the pain. And we sometimes just think, God, God, help me get out of this. This is awful. You know? But there's often a purpose beyond and behind the struggle or the pain that you're going through. And it's not just about you surviving. It's about helping someone else who then faces a similar situation. But you got through it with the Lord and then you can show and help them how to do the same. And so that's all the, 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 the looking and the connecting that Jesus had for people. And then thirdly, notice that when he does connect with this guy, Zacchaeus, he honours him. He, he, he could easily have just said, look, all right, I get it. You're a tax collector. You're a sinner. You need my message. Listen to me preach and take it on board, but don't get too close. I've got to watch my reputation. I'm just right, you know, I'm just, I'm doing my thing. But Jesus, he honours him by inviting himself into his home, which is a really big deal. Because, you know, as you may know, Zacchaeus in that community is despised because of his job and his role as a tax collector. You know, we joke about the tax man. Maybe you know someone who worked for the ATO and you'd say, oh, you're ripping me off, ha, ha. You know, but for them, this is no laughing matter. Uh... You know, they, they were permitted, tax collectors there, by the ruling Roman government to take a cut for themselves of all the taxes that they were collecting from their own people. Right? So all the Jewish people were now being oppressed by this fierce occupying force and a tax collector aids and abets this foreign, terrible, occupying, oppressive dominating force against their own people and they get along well with it because they make money and they were known to be corrupt uh, because the Romans didn't care how much more the tax collectors skimmed off the top as long as they got their taxes and that's why he said if I've paid if I've charged overcharged I'll, I'll pay him back because he knows he has and not only that Zacchaeus is the chief 
tax collector in the area. So he's on top of the pile. So he's probably, without any exaggeration, the single most hated person in the community. So you would normally think that is not the guy that you want to be seen on the front page photo in the local, you know, Jericho News with. And Jesus' minders would be like, Jesus, you can... Don't go near the guy, you know. Quick, press release. Jesus was ambushed. He doesn't know the guy. It's a mistake, you know. He went into his home. Yeah, we didn't. We had no idea. Quick, you know, retract all. You know what I'm saying? It's just you'd think normally for anyone that's got any public profile, you would be, the minders, the PR people, they would be going berserk to avoid this connection. Jesus just leans right into it. Controversially says, no, hey, guess what? I'm not just talking to the guy. I'm going to lunch at his place. Let's go do lunch. You know, the papers, we are, yeah, we're selling all the papers today. Quick, current affairs, shake the camera. Look, we caught Jesus today with Zacchaeus. Oh, you knock on the door. Zacchaeus, what have you got to say about this? I just, come on, it's just hilarious. And Jesus loves it. He's just like, yeah, yeah. What? What are you saying? It's terrible. He's a sinner. That's exactly the point. That's why I came. Oh, but he's a sinner. You're all sinners. What? And these are the religious, you know, we're children of Abraham. That's why Jesus said, not only is he hanging on there, he really leans in and says, today, this is a true son of Abraham. (gasps) Because he's the despised, he's a Jew and he is, you know, turned against what they would think is a true son of Abraham. Jesus is saying, no, no, he's repentant. He's in his heart, a true son of Abraham. And then you play that on in the next generation and all the Gentiles enter in being called sons of Abraham by faith. So it's not just bloodline. That's why Paul says it doesn't really matter. You know, circumcision, uh, you know, your race, it's, it's all by faith through grace. So this is a really big deal. And Jesus is aware that it's a big deal and wants to make a point because he is not bound by any prejudice. He's totally happy to connect with Zacchaeus And he was happy to connect with anyone, everyone, who's willing to just, you know, the the dregs of society. Jesus was just hanging out, sitting with them. I just think that's amazing. And his heart and his love is for us in the same way. And he wants us to have that heart for other people in the same way. And look at the results. Talk about making room for the gospel. gospel. Everyone's got these negative opinions, have nothing to do with this guy, and yet the guy is so close, so repentant, probably so bound up with guilt, got all the money that you need, and he's just fiddling around with his trinkets and driving his gold-plated chariot on the weekends going, uh, it's, it's just not where it is, you know, it's just, uh, what's, what's life all about? <gasps> and then bang, and the whole life change occurs, you know. And so we are called to connect and to honour people in the same way because, you know, when you honour someone, it means you're treating them in a way that brings value to them shows that you love them, that they have value. And of course, Jesus did this when he said, I'm going to dine with you, not just talk from a distance. And, you know, it's very easy to, to, to judge people or to treat people badly if they're just different. You know, they don't think the way I think. They, they don't have the same values. And so there can be a real wall, a real barrier ah, that love and grace wants to break through. And, and, uh, and that's why the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. It's very easy to judge, but God's mercy is more powerful. And God's leaning towards us with mercy and wants us to do the same into the world. 
You know, our family has a very uncool secret. Uh, and that is that we watch the show Survivor. I know it's been around forever and it's always the same. Season after season, it's the same thing. And then we watch the Australian version of Survivor, which is just trying to be the American version and it's not even as good because the drama isn't as good and the articulation by the contestants of the drama isn't as good. You know what I mean? Because in the American one, you know, the show I'm talking about, if you haven't ever seen Survivor, you know, you're not missing that much in a way. But as I said, it's kind of strangely engaging, you know. And, but you watch the American one and they put them on an island, you know, and they, and they sound off at each other. And the Americans are so articulate, so confident, so brazen, you know, and they just have a go at each other and they're expressing themselves and, and, uh, and it's all, you know, kind of dramatic. And then you watch the Australian one and the poor guy who's running the show, he's trying, he uses the same phrases, exactly the same phrases as the, you know, Jeff, is it Jeff? The, the guy that runs the American one, you know, and there's Jonathan using, you know, once again, immunity is back up for grabs. And, and then they, they go through the motions and the Australians, then they have some drama, but it's never that dramatic. And the way they talk about it isn't that, it's like, Oh, I really don't like that guy. I reckon we should vote him off. Yeah. Yeah, let's vote him off. Ta-da. After the break, let's see if they can vote him off. Wow, that was it. You know, and the music. And then they crush over the other guy and the other guy's going, I don't like that bloke. I reckon we should vote him off. Yeah, I reckon we should vote him off. It's, it's not much going on, you know. <laughs> and yet, we keep going back and we watch it. We all, have you watched it? Don't delete it. Who's watched it? Who watched Did you see that guy get voted off? I oh, don't tell me, you know, because we've got kids different in our house, you know, coming in. Who's seen the latest episode? We're all like, because there's fascinating dynamics going on, even though they might not all be as engaging or, you know, articulate and all that, but there's just the human interplay. And so what my point is, you get... <laughs> There is a point. We're getting there. Thank you. Stop that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, yes, smart Alec. Oh, I would have hated teaching you at school, Gooding. Someone cane him. Can we just take him out in the back and come on? No, they don't do it anymore, but they did it in his day and, and he deserves one. Right. Um, so there is a point. The fact is they get complete strangers. They throw them together. And then over a few days, the strangers in one tribe who have always got weird names, so let's not go there. You know, why don't they just use... Anyway, the, the, those strangers become friends. They're bonding. They're all connected. They're making an alliance. The strangers on the other tribe are suddenly the enemy. And then even within that one tribe, you can get closer to someone and they're a tight alliance. And then they get one guy and they say, well, you're having a reward. You go on and have a spa treatment at this other island and you get to choose two people. Oh, so they choose someone who they think strategically will help them form an alliance. The next thing, they come back from the island and then they're buddies. They've got a new alliance. It's what I call the power of proximity. What I'm saying is you just hang out with someone and the walls come down. You just realise, hey, they're not that bad. You hear their story. You talk. You get to know them. And I've seen this. You can... You can get two guys driving down the freeway, cutting each other off, yelling, hating each other, going off. You get those two Australians 
bumping into each other in some remote part of the world in a little cafe in the northern parts of Thailand or somewhere. They hear an Australian accent. Hey, are you an Aussie? Yeah, right. Where are you from? Gosford. Said we go, oh well, Casey, oh well, well. And they're best buddies. I've seen, I've experienced it. I've met an Australian in some remote, weird part of the world. Oh wow, best buddies, you know. And yet, what have you got in common? Australian, mate. That's all you need. He's Australian. And uh, and so we have more in common and we focus on the commonality rather than the differences. And you know what? We've got more in common with them, people out there, any person you ever look at, than what you have different. Because they're created by God, they're loved by God, and God wants them to be your brother and sister in God's family. And so we just got to carry that and remember that, rather than getting antagonistic or having this sense of a wall. It's just like, God loves you. God, you're a precious creation of God. God, you know, and I'm going to be that conduit and I'll you know, form an alliance and get in the same, you know, God wants you in our tribe. He does, God does not want to snuff your flame out and, you know, he wants you to, to win. And so we look to find the common ground and um, that's what we're called to do. The church, you know, we're not an end in ourselves. We're a vessel for God's glory and then for community transformation. And so we want to live our lives following Christ, carrying his presence into the community And he's going to lead us to connect with people, to build relationships with all kinds of people. And so obviously the question today is to ask yourself, who are the Zacchaeuses in my life? You know, maybe there's someone you'd prefer to avoid, someone on the periphery of your your vision uh, and your direction, someone that maybe others don't approve of, and yet someone who's still loved by God. And someone who might be easy to ignore, and yet just think of the changes that could occur if we connect, because as I said before, look at the changes, not just for Zacchaeus, but all the other people that were blessed. When he says, I'm going to make some real material recompense for what I've done in the past. This is a big change. Jesus didn't even have to say a word. He didn't preach at him. It was just the presence of God. And you never know, just being a witness, you don't have to bang on and bash people with the Bible. You just love and connect and you never know someone's... Are you a Christian? Wow, I've just gone through this deal. Can you pray for me? Or have you, how do I, there's all kinds of opportunities and we will never know if we don't connect to here. I heard a preacher say this recently as I close. The greatest sound of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost. That's what God wants to hear and see. And so let's love people. Let's look out for people, yeah? Let's learn from Jesus how to honour people and share him with others. Amen. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.